1: Welcome to our Lifeline Parenting Series. We're joined in studio every week at this time by Vern Tyler, who is founder of Hosanna Pathways and the Hosanna Parent Project. And over the course of the next many weeks, we'll be talking with Vern about many of the foundational biblically-based principles for successful parenting. And by way of introduction every week... Vern, you've got a lot of experience in this. You and your wife, Judy, have not only raised a family of your own, but over the course of many years have been foster parents to about 800 children. I would imagine you've learned a thing or two. (laughs) Very much so, and wonderfully
2: so. It's been a marvelous, marvelous adventure.
1: This series, of course, week by week will unveil a number of foundational principles when it comes to parenting, not only in terms of addressing the so-called problem child, but quite frankly, for any child. So toward that degree, this is really appropriate for parents, whether they're dealing with children who are a little bit more mature, perhaps preteen years or even older, up to and including those parents who are still anticipating their first child.
2: Now I would urge families that are even thinking of families, the pregnancy stage, uh, the infancy stage, these principles are so significant that if you implement them at an early age, you are avoiding the problems of later age. And this, is, to me, is, the, is a greater adventure. Um, if we try to intervene in the older children, generally their mind, their computer, is pretty well already programmed, and to program is a very, very challenging uh, process. So getting started young
1: is the key. Use that phrase that you mentioned earlier about uh, redirecting as opposed to... Oh,
2: it's better to build boys and girls than to mend men and women.
1: Let's use that again. So at the end of the day, then, you've got a phrase that I think will really help parents understand the purpose of this series. Better to build boys and girls than to mend men and women. Let's get underway with today's edition of the Hosanna Parent Project, and toward the end of our conversation with Vern, we'll give you more information about how you can sign up for classes at a church in your area as part of the Hosanna Parent Project.
2: If you can understand and try to apply some of the principles and issues that we're going to be talking about in this segment, I think that you're going to find that your children will grow up with a hope and a purpose that God has designed for them. Uh, We live in a culture, we live in a time when uh, raising children or being a child is extremely challenging, Um, but that doesn't mean that we need to give up or feel that we're just going to kind of float with whatever the society or particularly our church culture seems to be uh, providing Uh, We need to be very active, and that's why I've labeled the program purpose-driven. Unless we have a goal, unless we have a purpose, we just tend to float. And that's what I see happening with the majority of children today Uh, and the parents that are dealing with them is we don't have goals. We don't have purposes. I remember when my wife and I were dating, And before we decided he had married, one of the things that we talked about was what was going to be our purpose when we started a family. Uh, And one of the things I remember very distinctly was that uh, we determined that our children were going to uh, experience confirmation as a child, as a young adult. Interestingly, even though that was a purpose, none of our three children ever did that, however, That purpose evolved into, as I shared with you earlier, the foster care area. My children, my three biological children, can probably hardly ever remember a day that they didn't have to share their home, their parents, their bedroom, their clothes, uh, their food, uh, with another child, a hurting kid. Uh, What a challenge that was for my children to grow up with that. And I remember very distinctly my wife and I, my wife Judy, uh, we were terrified um, that we were going to reach, trying to reach the world for uh, those that are hurting and lose their own children in the process. Uh, but I assure you, um, after um, some of these years that we've had, and our kids are all adults, uh, and then with the grandchildren, uh, I assure you that my children and even my grandchildren today would not be who they are. If Judy and I had not purposed to see that our children were disciplined, that we were consistent in the environment that we provided for them, and um, the way that we showered them with love, and even though they were challenged, even as young kids, very young children, with having to put up with behaviors and um, challenges that very few kids ever do. Folks, that's what our generation, our young generation, the generation that's coming up that we need to uh, provide for them. Uh, Again, if we look at our culture, we see that it's drifting. We see that it's kind of all over the place. Uh, Kids really don't know um, or have an idea even of um, what is really expected of them. It's kind of just try to do whatever you can and don't hurt anybody in the process that is not going to provide a child with a moral and a good spiritual background. Uh, You have to have a purpose, and you have to be inconsistent, or have to be very consistent in terms of applying um, what your goals are, what your purpose is. I want to use kind of an illustration, perhaps, that will be meaningful, uh, and kind of illustrate, I think, where our current culture... uh, uh, it springs from. I had somebody use this model for me at one time, and it was so meaningful. And that's that. Uh, let's take a, a major event in our life, such as marriage. We kind of th- we can kind of think of marriage as a box. Um, and I think most of us, most of our uh, individuals that approach this issue, uh, become excited uh, about the possibility of opening that box. And receiving all kinds of gifts, all kinds of unique little things w- would excite us. Uh, we assume things that would bring us happiness. Uh, but tragically, uh, 50% of those marriages, even in, the, in a faith-based marriage, end in divorce. Now, that doesn't quite line up. If we were excited because we were going to be getting all of these gifts... And if we were looking forward to that event because of those gifts uh, and the benefits that those gifts would bring to us, you would think that it would bring instant happiness and continued happiness. Unfortunately, again, from a statistical standpoint, the 50% marriage divorce rate, uh, we can see that looking for the benefits out of that box appears to be, at best, a break-even issue. Uh, I'm going to suggest to you that what that box needs to contain is nothing. If I go into marriage understanding that my marriage is going to uh, become whatever I put into that box, now, either your perspective, uh, what your anticipation is going to be, uh, your behavior is going to be significantly different. Um, Again, in that benefit box, we were assuming that we were going to be gratified. Our needs, our wishes, our desires were all going to be satisfied. Unfortunately, that's just not the way that life delivers. Uh, On the other hand, again, if that box were empty, and I realized that my marriage is going to become whatever I put into that box, that's, again, a perspective that is so Different, so alien to what our culture projects. But what a difference a marriage is going to be. My wife Judy and I have been married 55 years. Uh, I think that's significant. Uh, We've had our challenges. Every marriage will. But I think one of the main ingredients is that we realized that we needed to put into that box whatever we wanted to uh, make our marriage be. So we did. We purposed in our life that we were going to serve the Lord. We purposed in our life that we were going to do, um, uh, 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 that divorce was not an option. So that was part of what we put into that box. When a challenge came along, we would say, okay, what do we need to do to put into that box? What else can be done that'll improve that box, our marriage? And, folks, the same thing happens with our kids. When we receive our child, our newborn, it's always so exciting. It's so exciting to realize that we've got a, a new life. God has blessed us and honored us with a, with a soul that we're going to be able to help mold. But we've got to put into that box that child is going to bring challenges. We think they're going to bring joy. They will. But we as parents had better understand that's an empty box that we need to put something into, something that is part of our purpose Something that will build that character. Something that will turn into something beautiful. That's discipline. That's a purpose. So uh, we're going to go to a break. Uh, As soon as we get back from a break, we'll continue on with the discussion. Welcome back to Purpose Driven Parenting. This is your host, Vern Tyler. We're uh, going to continue on with the topic that we started with in the first segment here, talking about um, having, providing purpose uh, and setting goals and being consistent in that process. Um, one of the things that uh, I am uh, frequently see in teaching parenting skills uh, is that families that come to the classes for parenting classes uh, come to the event to try to get strategies, tips, points on how they might be able to uh, control the behavior of their child. And one of the first things that I start out with in my parenting classes with these parents is that I remind them, and usually they start looking for the door when I give them this reminder, and uh, my reminder to them is that you're coming here to... Try to find some tips, some helps that will help you change your child's behavior. But the key thing here is if you expect your child to change their behavior, you need to change your behavior first. Now, usually, again, people start looking at the door and saying, oh, my golly, this is not what I was expecting. This is not what I was anticipating. Uh, I don't know that I've even thought of changing myself. I just need help with my child. Uh, but this is so critical, folks. extremely critical. Uh, the Bible tells us that the fruit doesn 't fall far from the tree uh that 's a paraphrase, okay uh, in other words uh, how we behave uh how we respond to our kids by and large is going to determine how they respond or behave towards us that 's very profound. uh I do a fair amount of counseling. And it's so interesting when a parent or a family brings their child in. It's not unusual at all for me to see immediately what the issue is because the parents are not showing much respect or concern for their child at all. They're very bitter. They're very angry for the child's behavior, and that's why the child apparently is, is here for counseling. But they're on the attack on their child. I listened to that and again it confirms to me this is not a child issue to begin with. There is a child issue involved. The real issue is with the parents. Um, So we've got to understand folks, if you want your children to respond to you respectfully, you must treat them with respect. Now when you have a kid that can be a little bit um, challenging, a little bit disrespectful, Mouthing off, talking back, that's not going to be an easy thing to do. But if you can't control yourself and you can't control the environment, then you're going to have an issue no matter what strategy you attempt. There just isn't a strategy that's going to work. Um, I oftentimes in my training will use the phrase, respect begets respect. Disrespect begets disrespect stop and think about that that's a very significant thing uh, or a situation that we need to confront ourselves with um, we as adults when we are environments where we're being disrespected uh, it's very challenging very difficult for us to demonstrate respect back to the person who is uh, modeling the disrespect folks it's no different with our children absolutely not uh if we If our children don't see us respect them or respect others, then we cannot expect, let alone demand respect respect is something that's earned uh respect is something we do even when we're disrespected and Jesus again was such a great model of that um you know even when he was struck um, we have to understand that controlling ourselves Is going to be critical if we assume to be able to influence others. Now, let me draw another very, very, very critical point here, folks. Very, very, very critical point. We do not control people. Your parents didn't control you. Now, they had some uh, ability to control you when you were in their presence or they were in your presence. All right, that was because of their size or they didn't want to be embarrassed in front of somebody else, something like that. So we do have an element of control there. But folks, stop and think about the times when our parents weren't with us, when we were out with our friends. Um, uh, we can identify probably on a consistent basis, on a daily basis, uh, how we defied our parents, in effect. They did not control us when they were not in our immediate environment. Well, folks, uh, we we have to c- confront that, identify that for ourselves individually, and then we can extend that same kind of an understanding to our children. Uh, so one of the key things is we don't control humans. Uh, we don't demand uh, uh, something that doesn't come from the heart. If our children understand that we're empathetic, we're respectful, then we can expect that back. In fact, we can even uh, basically demand it. Uh, Let me give you an example. This is very, very common in our home. When you start seeing the reactions start to elevate, uh, emotions start to become high, Uh, basically you and I as parents, we need to stop the conversation at that point uh, and attempt to be respectful or generate a respectful environment. Let me give you a uh, continue with that example here. Uh, your child is elevating in terms of their re- reaction to you. If you are a respectful person, you can look at them and say, Jimmy, um, I respect you. I won't treat you with disrespect. So I've got to expect respect from you. Can we start over again? Uh, if that's done in a genuine, sincere, and not an angry or demanding or. Um, I put down kind of a of a an environment your child should reasonably respond to that and if you can do that on a consistent basis you'll see a level of harmony that enters into the situation uh, because the child does realize that they're being respected and that you are reacting to them or responding to them in a similar manner Uh, so it's very very important folks it's very, very important. No matter what happens, you have to maintain that attitude of respect uh, and then expect it back from your kids. But do it in a gentle way. Don't do it in a demanding way. Again, uh, you try that in a demanding way, and the child just from their human nature is going to push back, are going to react to you in a way that's only going to aggravate the situation and lead to higher emotions, uh, greater outbursts. Uh, So it's very, very, very important, folks. Um, Let me just kind of reiterate here again. Please realize that if we as the parents do not assume our responsibility, then the product is going to be our child, which is going to model, who's going to model the way that they have been treated. Uh, So we have to understand how critical, how this stuff all ties together. Um, And if we... Uh, obviously want to have a respectful, responsible child that's what we have to be if we're not responsible if we're not respectful towards our children then what we are going to realize uh, is the opposite of what we want and that's exactly what I see happening in homes, folks I see that happening uh, being able to counsel kids and work with foster kids I would say Uh, Nearly 100% of the situations uh, these children have experienced is disrespect um, and not being honored for the individual that they are and not being treated with a kindness and a respect that they deserve. We all want that. Uh, I think you and I are very, very grateful that God is so respectful for us. He doesn't control us. No. He's given us free will. Now, how are we going to model our children with Jesus' model in a way that will help them to understand not only what their earthly parents are like, but then the even the greater issue which we want to embed in them is that God is a God of grace and a God of understanding. Welcome back. This is uh, Vern Tyler uh, with the Purpose Driven Parenting Program. We want to continue on uh, with uh, our discussion here uh, in regard to uh, developing purpose uh, for our, our parenting and our children. Uh, I want to share with you uh, a Bible, uh, a verse, actually it's several verses here. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 10. This is oftentimes referred to as the uh, the love segment of the Bible. Let's read that together, if you will. That's 1 Corinthians thirteen, one through 10. I'm reading from the American Standard uh, Version. Uh, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gang- gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It is not jealous, and does not bring it brag, and it is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it is not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the perfect will be done away. The partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I become a man, I did away with childish things. For for now we see in a mirror dimly, but from uh, dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, just as I also have been fully known. But now abides faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I want to kind of talk a little bit about the love issue. Uh, That really was part of the box concept that I shared with you in the first segment. That has to be the critical component of anything we put in that box. Uh, Of all of the cultures around the world, probably the most critical term that we can use, and is appreciated around the world, is the term, I love you. Every child needs to hear that. And I think we as parents understand that our children need to hear that. But very seldom do they hear it, uh, let alone sense it or feel it. Uh, The children, again, that I have worked with in foster care particularly, they are so deficit And having experienced genuine love. Uh, The concept of love that they've got is the selfish thing, uh, the selfish kind of love, uh, that I kind of again talked about in that in those boxes where you want to get a box, you want to get love that's full of love for you, but you don't have to put anything into that box. Uh, That's such a warped concept of love, such a selfish concept of love. And uh, if our children don't understand uh, this concept of uh, real love, then they are going to seek that out in this world. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons uh, that we have a lot of the out-of-wedlock births. Um, but it's also part of the reason why the divorce rate, I think, is so high, is individuals, adults, grown adults, have a myth, that misconcept of what love is all about. Um, If we look at the the Jesus of the Bible, uh, that was not a selfish love. That was a servant's love. That was a sacrificial love. Uh, How do we get to that point with our kids? How do we teach them the concept of a sacrificial love as opposed to a selfish love? That's a great challenge, folks. It's a tremendous challenge, particularly in today's self-centered culture that we have. Uh, For our children to come or to obtain a healthy vision or a healthy understanding of what love is all about, um, it takes some real um, intimacy uh, with our children to help them to understand what that is. And again, when I was raising my kids, it was a very purposeful thing. I was a banker for 22 years, Uh, rose up, was very, very successful, But I looked around and I said, wait a minute, these buildings, these airliners, these ships, whatever it was that I was financing, someday they're going to be nothing but haywood and stubble. They're going to be gone. Uh, And I don't want my kids, I want to be able to leave this world with my kids having a vision uh, that they can impact their world, and I want to impact my world. So I left the banking industry in 1985 to start Hosanna Pathways. Uh, that's the foster agency. And again, out of that, uh, my wife and I have foster parented the numbers that we have. But folks, the greatest benefit is I look at my children, I look at my grandkids, and I'm saying, you know, that purpose that my wife and I had, being able to extend that to them has made all the difference in the world to that generation and out to the generation that is following. I want to share an example with you that I think is kind of brings this uh, point to mind. I remember my daughter who was married to a pastor and is a psychotherapist uh, when she, all oh, this would probably go back 15 years ago, maybe even more than that. But I remember one time she said to me, Dad, it's not fair. And I thought to myself, wow, this is going to be a, a, a learning experience. I said, what's not fair, babe? And she said, Dad, you love children. You love your grandkids. But you're so tied up with other kids that you really don't have the time to be able to spend with your grandchildren that I know that you would like. And I thought, wow, this is going to be good. So I looked at her and I said, her name is Karen. I said, Karen, why did you go to Bible college? Oh, because I wanted to be better at God's Word and be able to share it more effectively with people? And I said, I'm so proud of you. I said, why did you marry a pastor? Oh, so I could be in full-time ministry, could do what i will enjoy doing. I said, wow, that's so neat. You're blessed. And I said, I'm so proud of you. I said, why did you go to graduate school to become a psychotherapist? Oh, so I could be more effective in my counseling, uh, so that I could um, reach people that are hurting. I said, wow, that is so neat. That is so neat. I'm so proud of you. And I said, why did you become a foster parent? And I could see she kind of stopped at that point, and I could see her mind working and seeing where this was going to go. And she said, so that I could help somebody that was hurting. And I said, Karen, you don't want your children to be foster, parent, uh, foster parents? She said, oh, no, I would love for them to be. And I said, honey, the issue is not justice. The issue is not fairness. The issue is that we need to be about our Lord's business, which is what he's telling us to do, is live a purposeful life, to live a life that is sacrificial, to live a life that is reaching out to others, to do similarly what Jesus said. I can't go to the cross, but I can provide a good home. I can provide food. I can provide a love that these kids will never experience other than if they come into my home. Because my home is a faith-based home. I love my Lord. So I said, Karen, I'm proud of you. But please, don't look at the world to be just. Don't look at the world to not be a challenge. Just learn to love and live like Jesus wants you to be. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to the Purpose Driven Parenting segment here. This is your host, Vern Tyler. We, in the last segment, we're talking about the critical issue of love and being able to transmit the meaning of that to our children because it's so important in today's world. Uh, The issue of love has got some real uh, harsh connotations to it in our current culture. Uh, It does not reflect the tenderness and affection that the love that those of us, those of us of faith uh, should be able to extend to our world um, that is again, if our children do not feel loved, the likelihood of being able to go much further with them to accomplish a purpose in their life and a purpose that we're hoping to provide for them is going to be very, very limited at best, okay. I want to touch base with you here kind of uh, in a way that will help us maybe understand two groups of kids that that we're going to find. And these are, I'm going to use the term extremes. I don't mean that in a a real profound way. But generally, our kids are going to be known by the way that they behave. Uh, Commonly, we're going to hear the terms out there oftentimes that you have a if a they're a, uh, an obedient child or a compliant child or a strong-willed child. Let me just kind of give you a little bit of information on this because I think it's important for us to understand. And, and uh, those people that have compliant childs, children are probably not very interested in, in uh, some of the parent skill building that I think is still appropriate. Uh, but, uh, you know, these are the kids that tend to be calm, they're easygoing. They're they they're willing to listen. They don't give you a lot of pushback. They tend to understand and even appreciate what you might do. And they're they're just very compliant. On the other hand, the other uh, on the other extreme is you have the child that seems to be very emotional, uh, very argumentative, uh, stubborn, uh, do not want to listen, uh, very challenging, uh, in your face. Um, these children we would identify as strong-willed. Uh, strong-willed kids are generally going to be those that are put on drugs uh, to try to prevent their emotional outbursts and to control them. And, uh, uh, and, folks, I think this is a an issue. Please understand out there that our culture seems to want to be coming up with, I'm going to refer to it as a unisex, where you don't have the gender issues I don't agree with that unisex concept. I think that God designed male and female with very distinct complementary distinctions. Um, And I think that when we try to meld these or complement them uh, within a defined unit, we're being very destructive uh, with the way that God has created the human race. So we need to be aware of this and understand that... uh, Uh, These distinctions are there, um, and try to understand why they're there. There are reasons, and I'm not going to be going into a lot of that today on a program like this, but I would urge you folks that are out there that are saying, hey, maybe I'm not doing the parenting right, Uh, and most of us aren't. I've got to say I make mistakes daily, and I'm going to consider myself a professional person. Uh, So we're all not perfect, but knowledge is powerful. If you don't understand some of these concepts, you're going to make huge mistakes with your children. And unfortunately, those huge mistakes have uh, huge consequences in your existing family and in the next generation that comes. When they, our children leave our home, create their own home, uh, they're going to take with them what we've provided them. So if we've not provided them with a an understanding of love, purpose, hope, some of these things then they're going to go into a uh, a relationship uh, which is uh, probably going to be equally as damaging or even more damaging than what they've come out of. So, folks, please take some parenting classes if you can. Uh, Now, I uh, tend to use the Parent Project, not 10, I do use the Parent Project curriculum. Uh, And if you want to know where you can uh, get information on Parent Project classes that are in our community, uh, go to www.parentproject.com, and you'll see the schedules there. The classes that I provide in the in the Bay Area are there, or uh, as they come and go, I add and so on. Uh, the, but let me also suggest something, folks. Uh, if your church would be willing to have an event like this, it's uh, eight to ten weeks, depends upon the curriculum that we choose. Uh, we can come into your church and provide uh, that usually in an evening, three hours in an evening. Uh, And we go through some of these issues that are tremendously helpful to you. Uh, Again, knowledge is powerful, but if you don't know, if you don't have that information, then you can't apply it. Uh, So I would urge that. um, Let me give you another number if you need to uh, call and talk with me, uh, 510-538-8117. 510-538-8117. That's a Hosanna Pathways phone number, uh, just leave a message uh, there that you'd like to talk with me, and uh, i'll be happy to get back to you and try to answer uh, or support you in any way that I possibly can anyway back to the uh, these children that we were on the, the either the compliant or the strong willed um, please don't assume that one is necessarily going to be safe and secure. Uh, because you, what I'm trying to get at here is this, normally your, your children, their strong-willed are considered uh, very uh, risky kinds of kids. They'll take chances, and they will. Uh, but, folks, I want to remind you, those kids are the leaders. The compliant kids are going to be the followers. So if the leader goes over the cliff, don't be surprised if your compliant child goes over too because they want to be accepted. Uh, so the risk elements in life... Dismiss the, the these classifications that we're talking about, whether they're strong-willed or compliant kids. The idea here is that we want to train up children. We want to have a purpose for our kids um, that will help them to adjust, to become good spiritual individuals, uh, responsible individuals, individuals uh, that aren't, aren't trying to control, uh, that aren't out trying to uh, intimidate, bully. Um, or even play games. They don't know what's happening. They're just playing some kind of a game here that they think that they can influence or control or whatever the case might be. Um, we've got to understand what our kids are faced with. Uh, now, let me suggest to you, if you go to the Bible, what do you think most of the characters in the Bibles were Bible Or Are they strong-willed or were they compliant? If you look at the astronauts, uh, if you look at people in the military... Leaders, they're going to be strong-willed individuals normally. Uh, So we need to recognize that uh, uh, these strong-willed individuals are going to be the future leaders. So folks, take heart. If you've got a strong-willed kid at home, you've got a leader. Now, the challenge is going to be how are you going to channel that leadership? How are you going to teach that leadership? How are you going to influence it? Again, don't try to control. If you try to control, a, a strong-willed child will push back fiercely. That's their nature. We've got to understand the human nature of the strong-willed child and the compliant child. Again, in, in the classes that we provide uh, or that I provide, we'll try to roll this stuff out more so that you have a better understanding. But please, uh, I think I see here so many parents who just simply kind of want to throw up their hands in desperation and say, I don't know how to work with this child. Please get some instruction. Uh, See if we can't give you some help in terms of dealing with that in a constructive way, in a positive way. Next week we'll be back. We're going to be covering some other topics. Uh, Again, if you have any questions, if you have any concerns, I've given you information. Let me give you that phone number one more time to call 510-538-8117. My name is Vern Tyler. If I can uh, be of help to you or your church or your community, um, I'll be more than happy to extend myself. In the meantime, may God bless you and your family.
1: Well, Vern, I'd like to thank you for your insights and comments today as part of our ongoing parenting series, a part of the Hosanna Parent Project, and for folks that say, gee, this is really great stuff. I'd like to go a little bit deeper. I'll remind listeners, you can download today's program as part of the KFAX podcast at kfax.com. I would encourage you to listen to this content again, certainly listen to it together with your spouse, and be able to, down through the coming days weeks, build principle upon principle, precept upon precept. For parents that need to go a little bit deeper and want to go into some intensive training, tell us a bit about the Hosanna Parent Project and how they can sign up for classes.
2: Yes, they can go to the website that you had just mentioned, hosannaparentproject.org. They also can go to the national uh, website, which is www.parentproject.com and all of the opportunities are, are listed on that website however i am in the only one in the united states that's using the parent project spiritually based curriculum everybody else is secular so those that want the spiritual emphasis need to come to my series, and then that way they'll be able to get that influence.
1: You have multiple week seminars taking place at churches throughout the Bay Area. And what if somebody listening says, we need this in our church? Is it available?
2: It is. Go to the same website. Give me some information. I'll contact the pastor, and we'll see if we can't arrange it based on the, the ability to use the church.
1: And again, information available on the series at hosannaparentproject.org. A number of tools and resources available at that website as well. hosannaparentproject.org. That's hosannaparentproject.org.
0: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved